Welcome, welcome. Uh, we have many highlights from this book, Queer, a graphic history. So let's get right into it so that we don't lose time. Immediately we run out of time. We're going to have to stop. So let's proceed. Mm. The title is Queer, the graphic, a graphic history. There's emphasis on the graphic because this book full of pictures and coming like pictures where they put words so that you can read them and enjoy it the short form it's just very nice especially if you don't like to read a lot but i will all the history books that i've read on homosexuality so far have focused on different things so you can study the history of homosexuality but um you can look at it through different perspectives and i don't even mean the difference in opinions because the books do a good job of detailing all the thoughts of the people that participated in in or contributed to queer theory to development of queer theory um they did a good job at that but the perspectives i'm talking about here are like when one book starts from um uses chronological history to track the history of the gay revolution like starts from greek what people thought of homosexuality at that time to the influence of the catholic church to the influence of um independence thinkers and then to this present moment uh, all of that so a book treated that then a book just started from frank kemeny this guy that is allegedly behind um the revolution the best of the revolution so but all the books still mention frank kemeny is a very important feature very important person so if you're going to if you want to really really know about um the gay revolution or evolution um queer theory this book is principally about queer theory so i guess that's what they really really focused on but if you want to know about the history of homosexuality i will recommend you reading or listen to my book po- the podcast episodes on the other ones that i have it, it, this one is largely about queer theory and the different schools of thoughts you know from different people and how queer theory grew so i've spoken too much now <laughs> let's get finally into the book I'm reading from chapter um open and closed doors colon early gay rights movement so the homophile movement opened up the possibility of rights for lgbt people and perhaps it fought for this right in a way which was the least threatening to mainstream society meaning that these arguments could be heard however there are many problems with the kinds of assimilationist strategies it employed one they retain the status quo rather than pointing out the flaws in how mainstream society views sexuality and gender etc. Two, they perpetrate an essentialist model of sexuality that it's a fixed aspect of identity. The three, the it's not our fault idea easily slips into portraying homosexuality as inferior. Four, 
by focusing on the acceptable face of white, middle class, educated gay and lesbian people, they often maintain the oppression of those who do not fit that umbrella. So, um, you see that this book didn't even start from the beginning of the queer journey. It's, it starts by mentioning the 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 critics that we have now of of the homophile movement the homophile movement was one of the very first movements of gay rights they were the ones that started you in in the 1950s and they've given birth to all of the queer movement and queer theories and homosexual and intersex and all of that that we have now so and now we see some of their strategies um people see it as flawed they think that they should not have agreed that sexuality is fixed because now a lot of people believe that sexuality and gender is quite fluid um they also think that you saying that it's not your fault that homosexual still means that you are pandering to to um people who are not homosexuals that you know it's, you're not responsible for who you are like you're largely not responsible for how you were born so they should excuse you on that basis but now they're saying you should be able to choose who you want to be and if you want to choose to be an homosexual then it shouldn't be a problem so every strategy that the homophile movement um brought up as their basis of fighting for their rights as or is now being demolished by the present movement a lot of people still support it of course but there are newer ideas that people are talking about and thinking about and trying to wrap their minds around so the next step will now be us um the next step in the book um started to talk about how um started to debunk each assumption and the idea that that has come up that now debunks that particular idea so the first one is identities are fixed and essential that was the the point of the homophile movement the first gay people in the 1950s so now i'm going to read you the thoughts or the idea that counters that this assumption the assumption that identities are fixed and essential this assumption can be questioned because of how contextual sexual identities and practices are they are understood and experienced in very different ways at different ta- points in time and across different cultures and communities. Also, recent r- research has found that sexuality is fluid. Many people's excuse me, many people's experiences of their sexuality changes over the course of their lifetimes. Many adopt different identities, identity terms at different times, and there's a picture of a girl she has short hair she has on a top and trousers and beside that is written assumed straight girl then there's an arrow pointing to the same girl but now she's she's wearing a top a t-shirt and trousers and her hair is short and now she's a butch lesbian young adult so from being maybe as a child it doesn't really show much difference between the teenage person and the the straight girl but they are the same person the eyes are different i was going to use that to say maybe this one is a younger person but definitely the girl is younger when she's assumed to be straight 
then as a teenager she's a lesbian then it shows another arrow that she's a trans man in relationship with a woman there's a woman beside her and now she looks like a man um like a typical man like she's wearing a or he now is wearing a shirt like button shirt trousers shoes and short hair and he has a beard now and then it's with in a relationship with a woman holding a woman see the pictures make life easy <laughs> the second assumption you know that the homophobic movement had was that sexuality and gender are binary that means you're either a man or a woman or you're either gay or straight so to debunk that neither sexuality nor gender is experienced as binary by everyone when researchers ask people to place themselves on a continuum of sexual attraction um at least a third of people generally fell somewhere between exclusively gay or lesbian and exclusively straight more recent um research from Tel Aviv University has found that a similar proportion of people experience themselves to some extent as the other gender, as both gender or as neither. So there are people out there who think they are not male or female and there are people out there who think they are both male and female and there are people out there who think they are neither male or female. And the third assumption is that normal and abnormal sex can usefully be distinguished. You know, you can tell the difference between when sex is normal and when sex is abnormal. The thoughts to debunk that historical shifts in which sexualities have been regarded as normal and abnormal and functional and dysfunctional bring the whole idea of distinguishing people on this basis into question. We can also question what is meant by normal. Many of the currently listed okay, I can stop there. Um what is normal, what is not normal. By abnormal they mean like BDSM because there's a picture of a woman um in the entire feet and with another woman tied up from the ceiling and while on her knees, then the other woman that is standing has a whip. Then there's a there's a book that is written fifty shades of grey. So I think that's what they mean by abnormal and now they're saying all those things should not be divided into groups like that then enter queer theory okay and queer theory like the word queer is a much contested term always in flux that is used in different ways by different academics and activists this multiplicity and contradiction can be seen as a good thing by queer theorists who don't believe in simplistic explanations or universal truths anyway. So, the features of this particular queer theory, after all the assumptions and the debunking of the assumptions and the ideas that have come up, enter queer theory with its own um, features. And what are the features? One, resisting the categorization of people. Do not categorize, do not do that. Two, challenging the idea of essential identities. Three, Questioning binaries like gay or straight, male or female. Four, demonstrating how things are contextual based on geography, history, culture. Five, examining the power relations underlying um, certain understandings, categories, and identities. 
yeah that's their plan that's kind of quest theory you know to debate that things are not binary you know they're not either black or white or gay or straight or man or woman and not usually that way um we're going to move on then they begin to mention the different people that contributed to this criteria you know different um post-structuralism will have people who contributed to the theory who talked that way about the idea i wanted to see it operate in real life um all that movement system marxism will have people who believe in it people who think it works um people who not maybe not even think it was but people who think about it and then share their opinions about it it's the same thing for queer theory it's a social thing a social political idea so most of the contributors contributed <laughs> and there are many of them let me just read a couple of them um satire's homosexuality uh, it says that we are in bad faith if we deceive ourselves ourselves that we have to be a certain way due to biology or to social rules that are assigned to us for example Rather, we are in a constant process of self-creation and are both free and responsible for what we create. So, this idea or these words are the ones that counter um, the the fact that we came out of um, that we can either come out of our mother's wombs as males or females. That there is no such thing. That we are in bad faith. Okay, that we are in bad faith if we think we should just always be that way and and it reminds it reminds people that they are in a constant process of self-creation and they are free they are both free and responsible for what is created he's right about the we're always free and responsible for what we create whether good or bad we're always free we have choice and we're always responsible you can't you can't pass on the responsibility to and if you do good kingdom <laughs> if you do bad no more kingdom you know you are responsible for the consequences whether good or bad um uh and it's also right about the fact that we are in a constant process of self-creation always we're always developing in one way or the other we're always growing our minds are always expanding um i think my problem with that now is where does your mind expand to what do you absorb um and in what way does the thing that you absorb change you and how then do you determine if the change is good or if the change is bad that's those are the questions that because we can't deny that we are free and responsible to create i can't even we can't deny that and i can't deny also that we're in a constant process of self-creation it's why we're always looking for what to do next and figuring out things and planning our days and trying to figure out um, what invention is going to be made next how it's going to affect our lives what can you change about ourselves uh are we doing good things like that we are always in a constant process of self-creation but 
how do you then judge how do you judge that you know that you're actually advancing how do you judge it is the question i'd like to ask this particular queer theory movement how do they know but let's not bring my own religion to this book let me talk about it um another person emphasized the limits um simeon de beauvoir emphasized the limits that are placed on our freedoms on our freedom sorry to choose how to be Sata and de beauvoir I don't think I'm saying that name correctly. Agree that the world that we are thrown into at best already has many meanings present, which constrain our freedom. But the but the Beauvoir more thoroughly examines the way in which some people are freer than others. For example, the freedom to choose of someone who experiences same-sex attraction varies across different times in history and different cultures. So he, why Sata was more interested in um um you know when you, when you're giving birth to and the, the gender rules the sexuality all of that all the binary it was concerned more about breaking down the fact that everything is not very binary the Beauvoir agreed with him but he extended it um to the fact that people have certain freedom like you can choose to be based on where you are born and to what family and what economic status that you are born into so he's saying that an aristocratic white man has more power and has more freedom um to be whoever he chooses to be than a white middle class woman and a white middle class woman has more rights and more freedom to choose who she wants to be than a working class black woman they are like at the very bottom so um it was more economical in his thinking there are other people like that they went on to contribute to um to the queer movement to the queer to queer theory i think i want to move on to something that i found interesting the other most of the book is just mentioned mentioning people who contributed and how queer movements moved <laughs> moved from from the 1950s until now but let's mention something that I found personally to be quite interesting. Post-structuralism 101. So post-structuralists see knowledge as always partial and contextual. What we know is only ever part of the picture and is based on who, where, and when we are. Knowledge cannot be neutral or objective. It's contingent on systems of power and it shapes the power relations between people. Remember our religious and scientific knowledges of homosexuals emerged at certain points in time and shaped how those with same-sex attractions were treated at those times. Remember? The key point there is post-structuralists believe that knowledge cannot be neutral or objective i agreed with the first part where he said um what we know is only ever part of the picture and it's based on who where and when we are um i don't think all knowledge is based on who what where <laughs> where we are but i think that 
lot of knowledge is based on that, but not all is based on who, where, and when we are. But I also believe that we never ever see the full picture. Like we always learn in part. We always know things in part. And as long as we live as humans, our existence will involve just knowing things partly and partly and partly and partly and partly. Um I agree with that. I agree with that only because the Bible says so. <laughs> um but I don't agree with I don't particularly agree with the part where it said knowledge cannot be neutral or objective. Ahahaha. Aha. I can't even agree with that. That goes against all the principles of the universe. The principles of the universe cannot be objective. <laughs> yeah, joking. <laughs> um then Occupying our identity, what post-structuralism means for us on a personal level is that there's no single truth about who we are. I think they just want to apply post-structuralism to people's identities, not necessarily to the law of the universe. Because when I first said that, I was what? All knowledge? Do you know what you're saying? But maybe it means all knowledge pertaining to their identity i don't say my identity anymore i'm just i'm just going to put it out there fuck this theory um all identity all knowledge according or when applied to their identity is incomplete and depends on where and who and when they are and is also not objective yeah, I think I covered it. So, it means that on a personal level that there is no single truth about who we are, who they are. Oh, let me just, let me not be petty and annoying. We are always, we can always tell multiple stories about ourselves and none of them is the truth. True. True. You can continue to say one thing. You know what they say? Memory changes. Um, <laughs> As you revisit a memory, it changes. It changes like ow <laughs> our brains are marvelous things. <laughs> they are useful and can be quite destructive. Very powerful, very destructive, very useful, very destructive. We can always tell multiple stories about ourselves. Like it's the same thing where um you know, you do something and then they ask you why you did it. And you can only say one reason at a time. But later on, you realize that you also did it because of another reason. Another time, you realize that you also did it because of another reason. Or then you realize that, oh, it bought this result. And this result was good. And then you later realize that it also bought this other result. Like, mm, okay, this result was not so good. Things like that. On That's just on the individual level. Imagine it on a very elaborate level. Like it's an, an entire country or an entire sex makes one decision and the different possibilities that could you know the different universes the different things that could happen because of that one decision or the different reasons that we have or that we think other people have or that we have because of that one decision are very complicated altogether you know when when we are thinking different things and feeling different things and believing different things, it's very complex. It's very complex to get through. 
that's why people always feel like in this book they mentioned that um they will try to like when one comes up like me i believe that women should be part of all women should be part of the lesbianism feminist movement and no you neglect that they are dis- the um you forget the disability sects you don't include them where whereas i are include disability people and then another person will come and be like we forget that black people are not even as equal to white people in society all these are true but we just come up because we think of it because different people get to think of it it seems as if we are fighting one another okay so we don't have any any kind of fixed stable identity that we are i do okay i'm let me just i'm reading this part i won't take enough of it because there was something at the end that i also did not agree with when they defined identity or gender or sexuality i don't know which one it is now it had something to do with being the difference between being and doing and i did not I did not agree. So when I say that my identity is fixed and stable, I want you to understand what I mean. Because I'll explain later. I want to take note of it so that I'll explain later. So we don't have any kind of fixed, stable identity that we are. Rather, certain identities such as those related to gender, sexuality, race, or class are culturally constructed through ideological and normative processes. We come to occupy these identities through our relationships with the world in which we reside, which offer us different identity um, possibilities in different times. I agree, these things are very natural things. These are just natural things. Very, what we see, where we were born. Can't, can't fight that. Um, this is another thing. In the history of sexuality, a book. Foucault was one of the key thinkers to explore sexuality historically and to process and to propose that it was produced by certain forms of knowledge, religion, science, etc., rather than there being any truth we could uncover. In general, in gender trouble, <laughs> Butler demonstrated how the concept of gender and sexuality are intrinsically intrinsically linked and emphasized the move from seeing them as fixed essential identities to acts or things that we do this is this is the beginning <laughs> of things that we should remember that our sexuality or identities are things that we do they're acts or things that we do it means you can decide to be a man today and act like a man so your identity just today is yeah if that's if you're a lady or your woman or girl and today you act like a man that is more of something that you do so it's a performance that our identities are performances they are acts they are things that we do and if you wake up and decide to act like a woman um so if a man decides to act like a woman that it is largely performative so if you a man and you dress up you wear a dress you wear you put on lipstick all of that the act of being a woman is you wearing a dress i think that was what they equated womanhood to like the identity of a woman that was what they said it was then to be a man is to put on what is typical male attire and deepen your voice and act in whatever way that you think men act so 
our identity as women or as men are largely performative and so identity becomes something that you do the acts that you do the things that you do that was was what um identity was defined as here then i'll talk about this interest i don't that part i don't i can't even contribute so much because i um i somewhat agree but i can't share my opinion on it because i still don't know in the context of the bible i don't know what being a woman is um you stick with me next week i'm going to read a lot about feminism it's already friday i've done all my it's today saturday i mean I didn't couldn't record the podcast episode yesterday, so I'm doing it early this morning. It's six o'clock here. Um, so I went to read about feminism and that would involve me trying to understand reading the Bible searching, um, asking the Holy Spirit to help me understand what it actually means to be a woman and what it means to be a man, not just the performative parts where you put on clothes like what does it mean spiritually to be a man or a woman? And then how should that spirit that spiritual part how best is it to project that into into the physical like how should we appear mm, how should it affect our lives and i don't mean gender roles i don't may, maybe gender roles will tie into it definitely it should because feminism is a lot of that it's questioning all of that so i can't really share my opinion but i just wanted you to know that they think or someone proposed and um, butler proposed a woman that it was largely performative so our identities are not really who we are they are not states of being they are things that we do so let's move to what this chapter talks about it talks about bio power it talks about power so Foucault argued that power has shifted from sovereign power of this idea was very interesting to me from the sovereign power of pre-industrial society where rulers had the power of life or death over their subjects to biopower. Hmm. The shift to manufacturing industries meant that the success of the economy rested on the productivity of the workforce. Thus, governments needed more day-to-day power over the bodies of individuals to ensure that they were productive. Hence, bio, meaning bodies, so they needed more power over bodies. It's no longer sovereign power where you can just tell your subject what to do. You're a king. Like, shut up and sit down and they will obey you. Off with their head and they chop off the person's head. Now it has shifted to a more um, um, productivity-based type of society where you need your people to work so that things can move forward. So they need bodies. So they want biopower. Uh... But government actually had a less direct relationship with workers, of course, with expanding and increasing urban um, populations. So biopower is therefore a more diffused form of power spread through society like a network rather, rather than the linear relationship between ruler and subject. It's also more pervasive because individuals come under surveillance from multiple directions at once. So they can always insult you because the power... I'm just saying that the power lies with the people. That's a very simplistic way of putting it, but you get my point. Um, so bodies and normality. Foucault, Foucault argued that this 
need for biopower, that's to govern the bodies of citizens, the bodies of citizens, explains the current emphasis in contemporary Western societies on bodily discipline and achieving normality. So the only reason, okay, not only, the reason why um Western societies emphasize bodily discipline, like you should discipline yourself, your body, and achieve normality. I think normality here will be being straight, um, not being abnormal, all of those things. The only way they, not only baby, the reason they, they emphasize it is to be able to have control over the citizens. It's a sort of Marxism type of thinking that the advantage, the reason why someone has to do something is to gain a particular advantage over you. So that's that's something. Um, for Foucault, it's this emphasis that led to the emergence of sexuality as an identity category. Okay, so the reason because they emphasize this, sexuality had to become fluid. People are start thinking of sexuality as fluid so that you can have less control over them. The body at the center of a web of power relations is measured and categorized in many different ways. Gender, race, mental health, disability, age, appearance, of which sexuality is one category. We are painfully aware of the extent to which we are considered normal on each strand of this web. Yeah. So, there's a lot of discrimination going on. It's just a whole lot of hate going on. Um, Gender. There's like, don't be a woman. Aristotle said we were abnormalities in the womb. That the only reason why women are born is because they are abnormal. Something went wrong in the womb. Um, race. Black people are monkeys. Animals or should be treated as such. Um, mental health. I don't know. Like, throw you somewhere and abandon you. Disability. You are not, you are only half human age oh you are 30 and not married wow your life must be sad appearance oh you are not skinny enough you are not thick enough yeah you are not fat enough your nose is too long too flat or too short (laughs) different things so there's a lot of people just generally feel uncomfortable around people who judge them and since there are a lot of judgments going around about that and no acceptance sexuality had to like people had to fight to be seen we are painfully aware of the extent to which we are considered normal on each strand of this web and we self-monitor like you watch yourself in relation to this for example when we read our friends posts on social media um yeah so it shows the picture for this one shows three women one is really really thin and she's thinking she's looking at um the other woman who is when she's she looks very thin i think that is the the focus of what we're supposed to look at her and see and she looks i think just young she looks young then she looks at this other woman who is wearing there are three women in the picture one looks quite thin one is wearing a skirt like a proper type of skirt gather skirts then a top then the last lady is wearing a crop top and short she's not as thin as the first woman so the first woman thinks kids 
husband, job. She's got life all figured out. The second woman with the skirt says, she's always going out with friends and having fun. I never do anything cool. She's thinking about the thin, the thin lady. Um, the thin lady is thinking about the lady with the skirt, and she's saying, kids, husband, she must have got life figured out. Then the lady in the crop top says, I bet she works out. I need to start exercising more. Yeah, she's a bit, she's a bit bigger than the thin lady, but she's not. She just, she just looks healthy. Um. So we're all thinking different things about themselves, and we're comparing it to this ultimate. Why do we have? <laughs> and we're comparing it to this ultimate um thing in our minds. Um. So gender, we're comparing. Uh, what is our standard for gender? Oh, that we're either male or female. And then under that, the problem is usually from male have males have to act a certain way and be a certain way and do some certain things, even though they might be struggling, and you know so many things are going up in their minds. I'm talking about men and women now, and um, we still expect them to always portray a strong front. I really want to know, like, the judgment for women. Oh, okay, the fact that you must have kids and do this and do that to be considered womanly. People fought that first. Then fought, <laughs> then fought the old female thing. I think I would just always maintain my ground. Like, we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Somebody, imagine... Anyway, it has started, but... The thing with race... um. People have said changing, doing plastic surgery to change to another race, to look like another race. And <laughs> it's been a long time coming, but it was just bound to happen. Um, but the examples I've seen so far is not because they reject um, whiteness. The person I've seen is actually a white person. And it's not because he rejected whiteness. He just fell in love with another race and decided to look like them so it's not from hate the one from race where you want to change your race is not from race hate um but for black people who bleach africans who bleach it's it's usually from it's most of the time it's from ignorance and then second it's just from um not accepting yourself because you know everything around you just says do not accept yourself. You are not perfect. Voila. <laughs> the category of woman. The starting point for Butler, for Butler's gender thro- trouble, that's a book that was written in 1990, was the problem of treating women as a unified, coherent group. Both mainstream culture and feminism have tended to agree that women, women, sorry, is a category which makes sense. Whether that justifies stereotyping and discriminating against women or fighting for rights and equality for women. Butler built on the previous criticism of black feminists who pointed that being a woman is not the defining feature of identity for those who also suffer other oppressions. Okay, so we're looking for a central um, identity here, but we don't have that. Because even women are fighting themselves. 
in the movement so the picture for this is there's a woman she's she has on trousers and a long sleeve shirt she has a placard that says protect our daughters and then she's screaming at this lady there are three other women in the picture one is wearing a, a short skirt a very crop top and high heels and this other woman that's holding the placard says what you are doing hot soul women i think she's referring to the way she's dressed then the, the woman replies my body my business then there's another woman um the the focus is not our outfit she says save us from save us from saviors then another woman says sex work is work then i think she's referring to everybody the woman holding our the placard that says protect our daughters is um talking to all of them says what you are doing hurts everybody talk to all of them um so butler says maybe it's the category of women that's the real problem here you know the idea of what a woman is supposed to be you know so I'm also going to be reading about decency. Like, what is decency? And what is the morality behind clothes? Behind dressing up? I can't contribute here. I'm just stating everything out there inside this book to you. I cannot contribute. So, the bottom line of Butler's point was that everyone, including feminists, should avoid making generalizations and universal assumptions about women or men as if those were coherent categories of course. This one I can I can get behind because we're so different. And even in places where we are places where we are alike, we still differ. <laughs> so and that that was done specially, you know. That was not the malfunction. That was something that we're supposed to accept of each other. You know, like our love should have a little bit of friction to deal with. It's probably why God, God gave us his image. So it became a bit easier to, you know, when you see something, what really joins us together is familiarity. And God gave us his image. So it's easier to, well, I think, when you something looks like you and acts like you it's easier to love them it becomes almost impossible to look away because you like what you see especially if you love yourself um but it also made us a bit different it made us quite different <laughs> maybe not too different but different from well a lot different actually from him even though we have his image even though we can embody his power we embody his power but he still made us different from him. And that part is what causes so many things that makes us feel like we're powerless when we actually do have his image and we have his power. But he still loves us in spite of that. In spite of that part that is not totally him. So that's how we have figured out how to live within society. I'm just giving you theories. And I, these are like theories that will support a utopian type of a, a utopian type of society uh i don't know if that exists and i don't even know if i think i've given up on that 
I pray for it. I hope for it. I know that it won't come in this in this life. After Jesus comes, then yeah. But like, I pray for it. I hope for it. And I hope that more people, and I pray for more people to have that type of mindset so that we know where we're going. So let's move on. What page are we going to now? This is something I want to read on. Hyper. It's not hyper. <laughs> Heteronormativity. Heteronormativity. Um, it came up a lot inside this book. And an extremely helpful concept in queer theory, which enca- encapsulates a lot of what we've just covered, is heteronormativity. Queer theorist Michael Warner popularized this term in 1991, drawing on Rupin's sex hierarchy and rich compulsory heterosexuality. I, why do I keep saying IPA? Heteronormativity refers to a set, a set of related cultural assumptions. One, the normal or natural form of attraction and relationship is one man and one woman who normally or naturally embody conventional gender rules and norms and have sex whereby the man's penis the man's penis penetrates the woman's vagina pvi sex um other forms of sexuality and gender are less normal or natural than this or not normal or natural at all three um thus people are assumed heterosexual unless proven otherwise that's what Heteronormativity means. I think most of uh, many people in Nigeria, anyway, um, are heteronormative. That's what we call it, right? Yeah. They assume that you are straight until proven otherwise. So they ask you about your boyfriend. Oh, as a girl, they ask you about your boyfriend. So any boyfriend now, until uh, when are you getting married? Where's your husband? Those are heteronormative ways of thinking and expressing yourself and it's a different concept though from homophobia and heterosexism and straight privilege homophobia is it's generally refers to negative set of attitude towards gay and lesbian identified people and to same sex um sexual practices and relationships heterosexism generally refers to bias or discrimination in favor of opposite sex relationships and sexual attraction so if you are biased if you don't really like um opposite sex relationships um then you are probably an heterosexist so heterosexism helps us see that it is not just outright homophobia that is bad for lg people but also things like having to decide whether to come out or remain closeted or having your um, sexuality assumed to be the totality of who you are or the basis on which to question your masculinity or femininity the lives of gay lesbian intersex asexual it must be hard, don't you think? The closest thing, the people looking at you like 
your entire life is your sexuality or what you do in bed it must be hard it just must be let's move to another place we're running out of time we're quite late actually um any other important thing then many words here do you realize that a lot of vocab i know that my vocab has increased a lot um since the beginning of this week at least vocabulary that has to do with um queer theory homosexuality it has expanded a bit <laughs> not just a bit a lot queer feminism well let's read about queer and feminism not queer feminism yet we'll move on after that so historically there there have been tensions between queer theory and some forms of feminism because each has engaged with gender and sexuality differently some tensions date back to the feminist sex wars with queer theorists with queer theorists critiquing um feminism that regards sexuality purely through the lens of patriarchal gender relations certainly there are obvious incompatibility between queer theory and any feminism that relies on binary categories of men and women so you see why they clash because feminism rose um started as a movement that wanted equality that wanted more rights for women so women you know as against the men so they acknowledge binary um distinctions of gender rules of gender not not gender rules of gender and sexuality but now queer the queer movement is against or queer theory at least questions binaries like men woman gay straight it questions that so at the beginning of queer movement it's always clashed and till now some people don't necessarily support both queer and feminist but later on in chapter we'll see how um they were able to reconcile their differences and actually come up with something that is queer and feministic so at the most sorry that's not where we are certainly there are obvious incompatibilities between queer theory and any feminism that relies on binary categories of men and women and or the idea that they are essential characteristics of a person feminists such as camille paglia labored queer theorists flame flaming freeloaders I like the way it sounds. Not the insult, not the people, just the way flim flaming freeloader sound. The FFF, what was that? The assonance, right? Assonance or alliteration? It's a consonant sound, so it is alliteration, I think. It's, forget. Flim, flim flaming freeloaders. I'm going to call somebody that as a joke. Probably my friend, so that nobody beats me. Free, you free, <laughs> you flame flaming freeloader. Okay, people are in trouble. Um, Martin Nosbaum described Judith Butler 
as a collaborator of evil. That's serious. For not attending to the material realities of the lives of battered women or LG people lacking legal protections. Collaborator of evil. That's deep. That's a serious thing. Queer feminism. Judy Butler. Judy Butler's theories certainly pose a challenge for much feminism in arguing that everything which perpetrates the notion of women as a stable unified identity risks solidifying the gender structures of oppression rather than liberating people from it. However, sociology professor Diane Richardson suggests that too much is made of, of the const- that too much is made of the contrast and antagonism between queer theory and feminism is a false binary divide given how many activists and scholars are both feminist and queer. She suggests that there's much to be gained from bringing queer tools of deconstruction into dialogue with feministic concerns for justice. Hmm. So she said they should bring it together. You know. I think this is what I'm going to stop. We've run out of time. Um, is there anything that's so important to share? Okay, let's read the last chapter. Let's read out the last chapter. The last chapter is titled Thinking Completely Queerly. Thinking Queerly. Try to avoid, they're telling you what to do if you want to think queerly. So try to avoid polarizing into either or binaries. You know, stop thinking that things are just in twos, male or female, and straight or gay, but also beyond that. Sex, positive or negative sex, good or bad sex, real or fake sex, essential or constructed sex, healthy or harmful sex, transgressive or conforming, assimila- assimilationist, liberatory, reformist, or radical. Like, stop thinking in twos, that's what he says. Then instead, ask what an idea or representation opens up and closes down. What is included and what is excluded. So if you are for one side, ask what is included in in this idea, what this idea accepts and what it does not accept. That's the more lines you should think of. Then what is included and what is excluded. M- might it be a matter of both and rather than either or so they're saying two things can exist at the same time two things can be true at the same time so try to figure out how those two things that are true at the same time interact you don't have to always leave out one or the other um remember queer equals doing not being queer equals doing not being focus on how something might be done queerly rather than what is or isn't square focus on what is what it does okay so when you see that when you want to figure when you're trying to um, define queer or you're trying to identify what queer is you shouldn't think in terms of this is what is square or this is what isn't square you should think in terms of what has this done what's this effect and what has it achieved and that is what queer is so focus on what it does what effects it has and what actions it achieves rather than thinking rather than whether you think it's true or false or right or wrong 
um, subjects or forms of sexuality and sexual representations to critical thinking and interrogations about the ideologies and power relations that they uphold, not just the obviously queer or trans transgressive ones, and not just the apparent straight or normative ones. So hold everything up to the higher standard or shine the light of queer theory all over all the ideas and ideologies and power relations that you can find. You know, try to think critically about all of them. Try to avoid the inevitable pool of individualism, locating issues in the individual person rather than circulating cultural discourses and structural processes. Try to, to avoid the inevitable pool of identity, such as trying to define who does and doesn't belong and who is queer and who isn't. Another thinking that creates us and them categories. Try to avoid universe versatilizing i like this particular paragraph the advice from this paragraph you know don't try to be so exclusive no you are though but you know you're all in the same pots um try to avoid universalizing that all universalizing start try to avoid universalizing that all people on the inside or outside will share the same experiences Hmm. Okay. Stop doing that. Take heed of gender theory, Rosalind Gill's message. As queer theory has pointed out, the culture around us is highly binary, individualistic, essentialist, identity-based, and universal universalizing. <laughs> it's a new word. Universalizing. How can I use it? Okay, so I'm universalizing that. Uh, God is good. Yeah, okay. There's a reason queer communities and theorists so often fall into the problematic thinking we've challenged here. It can be pretty unhelpful. Not to mention individualizing. To beat yourself or others up each time you do this. Lisa Dugan suggests that queer is a radical potential queer is a radical potentiality that is sometimes realized and sometimes not. Okay. At the end of the day, what I see here is, you know, let's try to accept our differences. Primarily, that is the primary thought behind all these points. You know, don't just stand on your own and think you are all in all. And then because of that chip on your shoulder, you exempt other people. And also realize that people have different stories. People are in different places, experiencing different things. So... You should be willing to sit and listen to that or at least acknowledge it that it exists and yours your perspective or point of view is not the universal point of view for everyone i agree with that like what you see is not what i see you know that's why we should focus on god i have to, i just it's who i am I, I gotta do this at this point <laughs> I have to do this at this point. Um, returning to the multiple definitions of queer we gave at the start of this book, let's aim to queer things through revealing the straightness of normativity, disrupting the status quo, claiming what is usually rejected, and forming new umbrella alliances. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That is the end of this book. Did you learn anything? I'll see you in the next one. Ciao.